Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Fusion Church. Brothers and sisters, my family, so good to see you. We are in Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. Let me tell you guys something about the pastors of Fusion Church. Both myself and Pastor Harry jumped on here because we both were prepared for this morning. And as we're logging in, we're, we're over here texting each other like, are you on? Am I on? Are we, you know? Maybe we should do a tag team. That, that'll be interesting, Pastor Harry. One day we'll, we'll get on here. We'll do a tag team of, of the soap. But hey, we're ready. You know, and it just shows the heart of, of, of your pastors at Fusion Church that we just we love to get on here and just share from the word and just share what the Lord has 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 put on our hearts to give to you guys. Um, don't forget, we have multiple, multiple Christmas Eve services both locations, Cumberland County, we have Friday, two, one on Friday, two on Saturday, EHT, you got about 137 services over, over the weekend. So um, I'm going to pray for y'all. Um, but you know what? I don't know about EHT, but I can tell you right now, Cumberland County, we're starting to see an influx of people coming back to the church. Um, and um, it, it's easy for us to say it's because of the season, because it's Christmas. It's just because of Christmas, but no. It's not just because of Christmas, because there is something going on in the spirit right now. People's hearts are searching for something, right? And and the Lord is getting ready to do something ridiculous in 2023 in the life of Fusion Church. So get ready, stay strapped in, stay plugged in, stay focused, as Pop would always say. And um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing year. So make sure you get to your services. Make sure you're inviting people, bringing them out. Um, sharing your testimony. Come on. God is going to use each and every one of you in an amazing, amazing way. Okay. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Father, we love you. We just, we just thank you, Lord, for, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. And, and we continue to thank you for your word, Father, that's ever true, ever faithful, um, always pertinent to what we're going on, what's going on in our lives. So Father, be with us during this time. Open up our minds, open up our hearts, reveal new things to us, Lord. I pray, Father, that it be your words that are heard and not mine, Lord, that I would fade to the background and you and your word and your son and your Holy Spirit will be at the forefront of this brief time we have together. We thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, let's give it a stretch, guys. Galatians 1. Verses 1 through 7, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption 
as sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Good stretch. If you got that Bustello, make sure you get a sip because it's going to be a ride today. All right. So verse one. The heir, as long as he is a child, the word child here is um, has the idea of a minor. Um, it doesn't suggest a specific age, but, but, but rather someone who is not a legally recognized adult. All right. Um, in both Jewish and Greek cultures, there were there were definite coming of age ceremonies that took place. Um, and um, and so uh that's but that's not what Paul's really talking about here. You know, with these coming of age ceremonies, the boy stopped being a child and became a man um with the legal rights of, of an heir. Um, in the Roman custom, there was no specific age when the son became a man. Um, but it really happened when the father felt that they were ready. You know, when Paul uses the phrase in verse two, until the time appointed by the father, he shows that that he had this more of the Roman um, idea of a coming of age. There was a Roman custom where um, when the parent felt like the child was coming of age, where the boy would take his ball and or, or the girl would take her doll and would present it to the god apollo to show that they were putting away it was, it was like they were sacrificing their childhood almost and they're putting it away um and they were going to become an adult um and so when it says as long as he is a child it does not differ from all the slave though he is master of all Th think of a, a, a ancient um a wealthy um, household a, a young boy who's destined to inherit everything the father has right like they're destined to inherit everything but when they are just a child they actually have um less less freedom than the highest ranking slave in the household they're actually restricted even though they're destined to inherit everything and the slave isn't the slave actually has more rights when they're a child you know, in fact, the, the 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 heir of the household is is under the strict care of the of the guardians and the stewards until the appointed time of the father. Verse three says, "Even so, all right." Now comes the comparison to our own spiritual condition. All right, you know, we we are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, according to Galatians three twenty six. Right. We are heirs according to the promise, according to Galatians 3.29. The law was our guardian, according to Galatians 3.24 through 25. So, and it was made to, to watch over us when we were still children. The law was made to watch over us while we we're still children. And the law, the law's effect on our corrupt nature was was to bring us into bondage under the elements of the world. Okay, there's this this. Bear with me. It's a, it's a lot going on here. Okay. It talks about the elements of the world. Okay. Um, this is an interesting phrase that Paul is using here. Um, 
it came to mean like elementary knowledge. Um, think about it like, you know, like your ABCs, right? Your ABCs when you're when you're a baby, you know, you're a child, you know, that's like the basic building blocks of all your knowledge, right? You know, our daughter right now is walking around. And if you if you listen carefully, she's trying to say her ABCs and she's trying to count to like five, right? And you have to really listen. She babbles, okay? She ain't nothing but 19 months old. However, you know, she's learning the basics, the, 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 the elements, the basic elements, right? The ABCs of the universe, if you will, right? It's the basics. One of these basic, you know, elements of knowledge, elements of the world, the ABCs of, you know, how, whatever phrase you want to use um, that, that we must break free from is the, the, the principle of cause and effect, right? Karma. People believe that, you know, you get what you deserve. We live under the idea that we get what we deserve. If we're if we're good, we deserve to receive good, right? If we're bad, we deserve to, to receive bad. But Paul told the Galatians to go beyond this thinking into an understanding of God's grace. Go beyond, you know, this elemental knowledge, this, this, this basic knowledge, this basic understanding. Our good cannot just cannot justify us under grace right and our, and a, but at the same time our bad doesn't need to condemn us god's blessing and favor is given on a principle completely apart from from these basic principles this basic knowledge the the, the abcs of life this abcs of the universe karma god's grace goes way beyond that his blessing and his favor is given for reasons that are completely in him and have nothing to do with us, right? We do not deserve God's favor. No matter how good we do, no matter how great we are, right? We do not deserve God's favor, right? But God gives it to us. God gives us grace, right? And we're going to get more into that, you know, like one of the reasons why he gives us grace so we cannot base our relationship on God on this idea of karma. Like if I do good, God's going to bless me. I'm just going to keep doing good. And, that, and that's your mentality. We can't do that, right? Because we're going to be like that, like that mouse on the wheel, just running, 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 running and getting nowhere, right? Since we are now under grace, he does not deal with us on the principle of, you know, earning and deserving, Right. But because this this was such an elemental principle, it's hard for us to shake this thinking. Right. When you're a kid, when you're a child, that's what you think. If I do good, mommy and daddy will give me what I want. Right. If I behave, if I'm a good boy or girl, you know, and that is the way a child thinks. When we live under this principle of earning and deserving before God, we, we, we continue to live in bondage under the elements of the world. We will get nowhere, right? False teaching is according to these elemental principles. False teaching is not according to Jesus. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In Jesus... We die 
to these principles. We die to this earning and deserving. We die to this, this ABCs of the universe type th thinking. We die to karma in Jesus. Colossians 2.20 says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as through living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Okay, these basic principles of the world is the same thing as the law. The law, right? There was a reason why God gave Moses a law for the children to the children of Israel, right? There was a reason for it because they wanted to remain right as children. They wanted to be taught while God from the beginning wanted to have a relationship with them. They were too afraid, right? Jesus came to abolish all that and was like, no, 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 I am here to save you. You don't need these basic principles. You don't need this nonsense. All you need is me, is what Jesus is saying. I have come to save you. I have come to bring you beyond this basic thinking, right? Beyond all this childish behavior. I've come to bring you further than this. Verse 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, the, the, the idea uh, behind this is like when the time is right, right? When the time is right. Jesus came at just the right time in God's redemptive plan when the world was perfectly prepared for God's work, right? And it says, but, right? But the word, but introduces a contrast, right? The, the, the control of these, 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 these principles, these basic principles, karma and things like that was, was only for a limited time, right? Jesus came and that, that, that was done. So for, for those who were under bondage to the law, it may seem like Jesus was coming was too late. But Paul is reassuring us here that it was at just the right time when Jesus came at just the right time. Right. If you were on soap last week, I talked to you about um, the first emperor of Rome. Right. And when he came, you know, uh, prior to Jesus coming, there was all this war and upheaval and everything was, was just a mess. Right. And so while Caesar brought political order, right, Jesus came and brought religious order. Right. And so Jesus came at the perfect time. Right. And then it was a time when Rome it extended throughout the entire civilized world. Right. Travel and commerce were possible in a way that had never been before. Right. So the word could get around even better. Roads linked the entire empire. Right. All of the diverse regions that Rome controlled were all connected now. Right. The Roman road was such an ingenious invention because now everyone could get to anywhere. That's why the letters of Paul were able to travel to the entire known world because roads were built. Add to the fact that the world was was sunk in, in, into a, a, a a moral abyss that was so low that even even pagans cried out for, uh, against it right people were searching for something spiritual hunger was everywhere brothers and sisters today people are searching people are crying out for something different spiritual hunger is everywhere people come to our church brothers and sisters and they don't know why they're coming to our church we have testimonies of people coming to one of our locations and they were they had no intention of going to church that day zero intention but they were driving they were driving down the road 
and they didn't even realize that they were they were they were turning into the parking lot. And next thing you know, they're in church and they're walking in and like, I don't know why I'm here, why I'm here. I know why you're here because you are, your, your spirit is crying out for revival. Your spirit is crying out for a relationship with Jesus Christ. So come on in. Let me get you a cup of coffee. Let's drop your hellions down at the kids, kids area. And let's walk into the worship center and you're going to have an encounter with Jesus Christ today. That is happening today. Day, brothers and sisters, this isn't just a story that happened 2000 years ago, you know, and this wasn't just a letter that was pertinent then. No, this is happening today. Today is the perfect time to know Christ. Today is, is the perfect time for the gospel to get around to the entire world. Ooh, I'm fired up now, Pastor Harry. Maybe you should have gone on this, man, because I'm, I'm getting worked up. Right. It says, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Right. Jesus came not only as God's son, but also as one who was born of a woman, born under the law, the eternal son of God in heaven. He added humanity to his deity and became a man. That's such a crazy idea, you know, that God, right? God, our God, who was before anything was around, right? The God who was God before we were around to even call him God. The God who, who spoke everything into existence with the breath of his, of his voice, his voice came down and he put on humanity. He put on all of us. He met us where we were at. It says born of a woman. It's, it's, I, I believe it's a, it's a reference to the virgin birth. Right, because at this point, people were still questioning: Was Jesus really born of a virgin? Yeah, you know, because because prophecy said he would be born of a virgin, right? But at this time, you know, after you know, th at this point, Jesus has already come; he's been crucified, resurrected; he's back in, in glory with the Father, right? So his disciples, his apostles, all his followers—they're spreading the word of Jesus Christ, and people were still questioning. You know, it wasn't really the Messiah, right? But Paul here is, is saying born of a woman because Paul never says that Jesus was born of a man, right? doesn't say that Christ was born of a man and a woman, only of a woman, you know? So, so in my opinion, the virgin birth was definitely on his mind, right? Listen, Paul was a wordsmith, right? He could write better than anybody can write. My man wrote two thirds of the new Testament. Okay. And, and, and um, it's believed that he wasn't a really great preacher. However, he could write a letter, right. With his words, you know? And so when he writes something, it's very intentional. Okay. So this, in my opinion, was Paul letting everyone know, like, this is the Messiah we're, we're talking about. Okay. This wasn't just some great man. This wasn't just another John the Baptist. This was a great man who came and he is the Messiah. And he came, why? To redeem those who were under the law. Verse five, because Jesus is God, he has the power and he has the resources to redeem us. But because Jesus is also a man, he has the right and the ability to redeem us. He came to purchase us out of the slave market, right? He came to purchase us 
out of our bondage, out of the the elemental reasoning, out of the, the old way of thinking, to purchase us from under the law. John Newton, he's a, a, a man, he wrote arguably the most popular, the most famous hymn in American history, Amazing Grace, right? We all know Amazing Grace. You know, it's played all the time, right? Now, he had a pretty interesting life. His mother died when he was seven years old, and he, uh, when he was 11, he became a sailor and, and went out to sea, and, and eventually he became a pet captain of a ship, and um, he was actually briefly forced um, into the slave trade, um, something that he, you know, he abhorred doing, but, you know, whatever, circumstances, right? And um, he was eventually, uh, he was abandoned by his crew, apparently, you know, and my, he was probably spoke out against what they were doing, and so they abandoned him um, in West Africa. And um, he was sold as a slave to a local tribe. Um, eventually, he was freed, but he always regretted the actions and 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 the and the horrible you know things that he did, the horrible degradation and the the humanity of the slave trade. He always regretted it. Right when he was twenty three years old, March tenth, nineteen seventy eight, his his uh, eighteen seventy eight, his ship was in danger of sinking off the coast of, of Newfoundland. And he cried out to God, to God for mercy. He cried out to God and he found mercy. He was saved. The ship didn't go down. He never forgot how amazing it was that God had saved him as bad as he was, as, as horrible the things that he was involved in, right? God saved him on the wall uh, above his fireplace mantle of his study, he 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 put the the words of Deuteronomy fifteen fifteen. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. If we keep fresh in our mind what we once were, and what we are now in Christ, we will do well in this life. Okay, don't dwell on your past. Remember it. Remember where you came from, but you cannot continue just to wallow in self-pity because I did this, I did that, as horrible as it may be. Listen, we were all pretty jacked up, right? Maybe I'll be, I'll be the only one to raise my hand, but we were all pretty jacked up at one point. We all did some 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 stuff. I ain't gonna get into what stuff I did because my because pop is on here, right? So so um it, if Pop jumps off, I'll get I'll get into all the juicy details. However, we've all done some stuff, right? We've all done some stuff. Remember what you did. The word says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of our testimony. Because you do not forget because someone may need to hear your testimony. Someone may need to hear what you went through and where God brought you from. That's the point of this. God has brought you. He has, he has redeemed you. He has saved you. You are no longer that person that you once were. You are no longer that person, brothers and sisters. You have been bought with a price. God has redeemed you. Remember that. It goes on to say that we might receive the adoption as sons. It would, it would be enough that we're just purchased out of slavery, right? But God's work doesn't end there. It doesn't, it doesn't just end because we were, we were purchased out of slavery. 
We are elevated to, to the place of sons and daughters by, of, of God by adoption. Every human being is a child of God in the sense that we're his offspring, right? He created us. We're a child of God, but yet not every human child of God, um, not every human being is a child of God in, in you know, and being this close is being adopted in an adoptive relationship. You know, the way Paul writes in this sense, there are, there are children of God, but they're also children of the devil, right? John 8, 44, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Paul was probably had the, the, the in mind the Roman custom of adoption. Adopted sons were, were given the absolute equal privileges in the family. They were put on equal status as, as the heirs to the family if you were adopted into that family, right? That's what we talked about last week when, when Julius Caesar adopted um, Octavius and he made him his rightful heir. It was, it was just as if he was a natural-born son. This is how the Romans did things, right? There's a sense in which this is a totally unnecessary blessing that, that God has given us in the course of our salvation um, and the demonstration of his true and deep love for us. We can, we can picture someone helping or saving someone, but I'm not going to go as far as to make you part of my family. Listen. Love you guys, right? You know, and I'll help you. I'll do what I can, but but I ain't adopting you, all right? I got my own children to, to worry about. I got my own bills to hand to, to 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 deal with, right? But this is what God did for us, right? We receive the adoption of sons and daughters. We can't go after it. We can't recover it. You know, we can't make ourselves be adopted. But God gives us this adoption. In, in this sense, we gain something in Jesus that is greater than what even Adam ever ever had. See, Adam was never adopted as a son of God in the way that believers are. So we're mistaken when we think of redemption as merely um, a restoration of what was lost in Adam. That's not what it is. We, we are granted more in Jesus than Adam ever, ever had. It says in verse six, because you are sons, it says, it says the, the phrase Abba, Father. It's fitting that those who, who are in fact sons have the spirit of the son in their hearts. This, is, this gives us both the, the, the right and the ability to cry out to God, our father, even as, as Jesus did to his father. Now, Abba has, um, was how a small child referred to their father. It's, it's an Aramaic phrase used in, in, in the intimacy of, of family circles. And we have the same access to the same intimacy with God, the Father, that God the Son did. Jesus addressed God the Father as, and, and, and you could, it's also, Abba is like saying daddy, right? And Jesus addressed God the Father as daddy when he prayed Abba Father in Mark 14, 36. Now, I personally don't like when people, when they're praying and they're saying, daddy, we love you. And they're just calling, calling God daddy. Okay. 
do you boo boo? I don't like it. Right. That's, but that's a personal thing, but it's more about the, about the, what it means, not the actual words. Okay. Because, you know, when we cry out, we cry out, Abba, Father, right? It's just like when, 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 you, when your child runs up to you, so my baby, now she's running all over the place. If you were at Jingle Jam in Cumberland County, oh my goodness, she was running all over the place, trying to dance and get up on the stage and do all this kind of nonsense, right? But when she sees me now, she cries out to me. When I get home from work, she sees me and she runs to me. That is how that is that that is the feeling. That is the th- the way we're supposed to come to God as a child running to their father, crying out. We know that we're sons and daughters of God by by the witness of the Holy Spirit within us. Romans eight sixteen says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, God the Father sends God the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of God, the son into our hearts to give us an assurance that we are the sons and daughters of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. The Holy spirit is called the spirit of a son because the idea of our sonship is based on Jesus's sonship. Just as Jesus is the son of God, right? We are heirs with Jesus. We have the same relationship that he has with the father. Our sonship, our daughtership is based on who we are in Jesus. Now, there, 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 are, there are important distinctions between our sonship and Jesus' sonship. He's the only begotten son, making him a son by nature. But we are adopted sons and daughters of God, made children of God by the decree of God. Jesus was the natural son of God, but God. We are his heirs. God chose us. He chose to adopt us. He has been searching for us. Just as that shepherd searches for the one, leaves a 99 and searches for the one, he has chosen us. Therefore, verse 7, and we're going to begin to close, you are no longer a slave but a son. Sons are never slaves, and slaves are never sons in their father's house. Jesus illustrated this with the parable of the prodigal son where the son was determined to return to his father's house as a slave, as a slave. The prodigal son wasn't returning expecting to get anything back. He wasn't expecting to get his status back. He was intending to go back to his father and be a slave because he knew as a slave, he was going to be treated better than the circumstances he found himself in. But the father refused and would only receive him as a son. God does not receive us as slaves, brothers and sisters. He receives us as sons and daughters. And if a son, then an heir. There's there's, there's this beautiful progression. First, we're set free from slavery. Then we're declared sons and daughters. And we're adopted into God's family. And then, as sons and daughters, we're made heirs to Christ. Heirs of the Father. Heirs, heirs, they inherit something, and, and Paul made it clear uh, just that what, what we inherit. We inherit God through Christ, which is the greatest inheritance we could ever have. We inherit God himself. We inherit that relationship with the Father. So we don't have to go through anybody. We can have direct communication with our Father. We're not like the children of Israel that 
you know, they were so afraid that, so that God had to implement all these rules and laws and all this stuff, right? So they could be made right. No, we can have direct relationship with the father. For some, this may seem like a small inheritance. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. I got a relationship with God, right? Yet for those who are really in Christ, for those of us who really love God, to be an heir of God is the richest inheritance of all. It's the richest inheritance of all. And that's something that we can stand on, being an heir of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that uh, you would just continue to speak to us from your word, Father, as, as we go about our day, Lord God. Father, I pray that as that your word will just continue to reveal new things to us as we're meditating on your word, Father, that this, this scripture will just give us, gives us new revelations, new insights into who you are. The fact that you have chosen us, you come after us, you adopted us back into your kingdom, Father, and you made us an heir with Christ. So, Father, we just thank you because that is an honor we do not deserve. Be with us, Father, as we go into these, these weekend services, Lord God. I pray for those for, for, for even the one, the one that's gonna that's gonna come into the doors of the church who is seeking something that they have no idea what they're seeking, but we know that they are seeking you. And Lord, I pray that you'll be able to that, that you will use us. Let us be your hands and feet so that people can be saved. Father, we praise you and we love you. In the holy and precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Love you guys. This has been a good one. I will see you all next week. God bless.